onto the 34th greatest Canadian of all time, Hal Anderson. Well, thank you for remembering. You know what? Actually, Cam, that's great that you remember the actual number because most people go, hey, aren't you the 18th, uh, you know, aren't you the 94th? No, I am the 34th greatest Canadian of all time. Admittingly, I had to look it up. <laughs> I, mean, well, I, I, I was thinking like 45th or something yeah, like that. At least that. you looked it up. And if you actually, we, we did this, uh, Kyle Milroy uh, did this for me one day. He sat down and he looked at the list. This is when did this happen? 2004, I think, something like that. When was where Power 97. And so many fans and voted me. It's crazy, yeah. right? And, and when my name was announced on uh, the Corp, right, the Mother Network, mm-hmm. by Wendy Mesley, I just about had a fit because I'm a big Wendy Mesley fan. Um, but Kyle Milroy sat down and took a look at the list then and now. And when you take out all the dead great Canadians on the list, I'm like really close to the top well, you, now. You're, you're at the you're at the top. You're top ten. Very high up. Oh, I can't right. remember. We'll have to check again. But thank you for looking it up. Thank you for mentioning it. Thirty fourth greatest Canadian. It I, is I, cool, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I figure yeah. you know everybody has to be reminded. Yes. at least uh, once a month about thank it. You. you know what I mean? Oh, I'm really happy to have you <laughs> filling in for Tristan Field yeah. Jones today. Thank you, sir. Um, maybe later on I'll get you to talk with me about Donald Trump's latest bright idea. The Space Force. Yep, Star Trek is starting to become reality closer and closer as uh, we move uh, throughout the decades here. So, yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. All right. Well, I don't know if you saw or not, but Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist, was on uh, CNN on the weekend on Fareed Zakaria's show. I, I did see the clip. I, okay. I watched the clip, yeah. Well, I happened to catch it, and I was watching this, and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson says, this isn't the craziest idea ever. You know what? I I kind of agree with him, actually. Yeah. It's It's... You know, it's 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 like you're trying to wrap your mind around the fact that well, we're going to start making space forces and big battleships and stuff like that. But you know, we might you know if we if we make it that far, it mm-hmm. might become a reality at some yeah. point, right? So, well, I've got a great guest on this today. Coming up after the news at one thirty, I'll talk to you later, Cam. Thank you. Coming Thanks. up on the show after one thirty, Chris Rutkowski, my science writer friend, my weirdologist friend, and the reason he is the perfect guest on this is because. He had a defense contract to do exactly this back in the 80s. So we'll talk to Chris Rakowski about Donald Trump's idea of an American space force. That's after the news at 1.30. At about 1.15, after our first break here, in less than 10 minutes, we're going to talk to Doug Brown. Uh, of course, a bomber broadcaster here on CJOB, Hall of Famer. Want to talk to him about the Bombers' big win in Montreal on Friday night. Straveler looked amazing. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to bring it up just like Greg Mackling did with Bob Irving this morning. Quarterback controversy. I want to talk to Doug Brown about this because Doug does not mince words. He says it the way he thinks it, and we'll see what Doug thinks of this. All right, that's coming up here after our first break in just a bit. 145, I got rained out right at the tail end of the show on Friday at the Red River X. Garth Rogerson, the CEO of the X, will join us at about 145, quarter to two today, and we'll get the final attendance numbers from Garth and talk a bit about the X. Tough trivia today. Santa Lucia pizza up for grabs. Stay tuned for that. We'll do it after two o'clock sometime. Also want to talk about Flare Air. Greg Mackling had the chair of Flair Air on this morning. David Tate, want to play back bits of that uh, conversation for you. Renee Simcoe on farm safety. Tragedy on the weekend. An important time to remind everybody about farm safety. Renee Simcoe will join us after the news at 2.30. And also want to talk about frugal or cheap. And we might do that early. We may do it later as well. 
Uh, I'll uh, just have to find, I've got to find some time to kind of lay out the concept to you because they've done some uh, research on what the difference is between frugal or cheap. I would say I am frugal. I think some people in my life might say I'm cheap, but I think I'm frugal. We'll talk about the difference, weekend box office, all kinds of other stuff coming up here on the show as well today. And by the way, uh, today is Color TV Day. Day of the Seafarer, Global Beatles Day, Leon Day, Log Cabin Day, Catfish Day. Please take my children to work day. I like that one the best. Please take my children to work day uh, today. And we'll take a look at today in history, some interesting stuff on this day in history, some celebrity birthdays. You want to hear something weird off the Internet as we head to a break here? Just weird stuff. You know, if we didn't have the internet, keep in mind, if we, had, if we didn't have the internet, we would have none of this useless, senseless, ridiculous stuff, right? This is the sound of a cat honking. And you're saying, what do you mean a honking cat? Yeah, for whatever reason, this cat doesn't have a meow, it honks. And this is for real, seriously, courtesy of the internet. Take a listen. Okay. <laughs> the other one's okay. The other one's got a meow, but not that one. It was a honking cat. <laughs> Poor thing. Anyhow, I heard that this morning. And I thought that's ridiculous. We'll start the show. I had a hard time getting up this morning. Can you tell? I didn't make the news meeting. Normally, we have a news meeting around 8 or 8.15. I didn't make the meeting. I hit snooze way too many times today. Had a great weekend at the lake, and I did not want to. You know what I'm going to do? I'll tell you what. At some point this afternoon, I'm going to dig into the archives, and I'm going to find one of the many songs Muchos Kilos has done on Monday. What a useless day Monday is. Muchos Kilos. Me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. So we'll have a song for you coming up later from Muchos Kilos. Uh, Doug Brown, when we come back on Hal Anderson Afternoons. By the way, uh, thanks to Jordan, who just texted us a picture, actually, from St. James and Fermore. Crews working on the street there, and a car has jumped the barricades and is kind of hanging into a big hole there. Uh, emergency crews on site. Again, that St. Anne's and Fermore. Thank you very much, Jordan. Appreciate your help. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. All right, let's talk about the Bombers. Big win uh, over uh, Montreal on Friday night. Before I talk to Doug Brown, uh, former uh, Bomber, Bomber Hall of Famer, broadcaster with Bob here on uh, CJOB, here is Greg Mackling talking to... Bob Irving this morning, and Greg went there. I was driving in, I was listening to the conversation, and I thought, is Greg going to go there? And Greg went there. Take a listen. Could the term quarterback controversy be uttered uh, between 7 and 8 by either you or one of the listeners uh, calling in tonight? Well, it won't be uttered by me, but I expect, <laughs> I, I expect a listener might know. Look, Matt Nichols is still the quarterback here. Uh, you know, I, people have said to me, well, what if Strebler plays great the next two games and the Bombers win? What do they do when Nichols is ready? And my answer very quickly is they play Matt Nichols. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any quarterback controversy, but uh, it does create an interesting scenario here where you've got a young quarterback who clearly, who clearly 
uh, can get things done, and that's a wonderful position for the Bombers to be in. Well, we'll see what happens Friday night, as our friend Doug Brown likes to say. Three makes a trend. So Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I can, agree with him. <laughs> I agree with him as well. And that gets us nicely into our conversation now with Doug Brown. Doug, three makes a trend. Yeah, one is uh, the first time you play and you look relatively good. We call that a fluke. Uh, the second time it happens, it's a coincidence. Third time's a trend. And then four is the magic number where it becomes one of your your, your traits and uh, an identity characteristic, I think. So uh, with rookie quarterbacks, any rookie position player, you know, you can't just go out and have the stars aligned and and then you've arrived. You know, it's it's a process. You need to be consistent. Uh, you know, teams need to be able to count on you for a certain performance week after week. And uh, it's going to get harder for Chris Strebler as well as opponents get more and more game film on him and spend more time strategizing how to take away his strengths. Interesting. Um, so obviously tonight, Bob Irving and Coach Mike O'Shea, they have their show, Coach's Show, tonight, 7 o'clock here on CJOB. That's what Greg and Bob were sort of re- referring to. I, I think it will come up tonight. Probably it'll be oh, brought up brought up by a listener. No question, though, right, Doug? You put Matt in as soon as he's ready to go, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's just interesting because they're very different quarterbacks, too, so... You know, you put Matt back in, and and the game plan changes uh, a little bit because they have different strengths, obviously. And Matt Nichols is uh, primarily a a pocket passer who's very smart, very conservative in there, but very effective. And Strebler has brought a different dynamic uh, to to the offensive attack with his ability uh, to run, to be physical, uh, to throw while rolling out. You know, some of his natural uh, traits and features actually simplify the game for him because when he's rolling out one way or the other, you know, all of a sudden now the field's cut in half. All of a sudden now his reads and the progressions he has to go through is cut in half as well. So it's, uh, it's an interesting discussion to have because, you know, every game that goes by before Nichols is healthy again is another opportunity for Strebler to develop and prove himself and make that decision that much more difficult. But right now at this point, I I don't think it is a difficult decision. Yeah, I I agree. And I think Bob's absolutely right. You put Matt in as soon as he's ready to go, but let me give you a hypothetical and there's lots of ifs and what ifs (laughs) and, and stuff here, but I, I could see a scenario where Matt goes back in, maybe he struggles a bit, loses a game or two, and then you've got a quarterback controversy because now you say, whoa, do we stick with Matt who's struggling or do we go back to the kid who got us through the first several games of the season in, uh, you know, in, in really wonderful ways? Now, Chris has got to keep winning. You know, Matt's got to struggle. Lots of things have to happen, but I think that may cause a quarterback controversy. Yeah, you know, it's uh... – it's a great scenario for those of us that like to talk about the game and, <laughs> yeah. and debate and and discuss the rumors and innuendos and such. Um, if anything, I think, uh, you know, it's going to – I don't think Matt Nichols is a guy that needs any further incentive for his on-field play, but this is something, you know, he's probably got one of his eyebrows half-cocked right now. Yeah. 
after after watching that game, I don't think he's seriously concerned, but I'm sure it caught his attention. And I think it's a great time to be a fan of this football team to have uh, a franchise quarterback already in place and to find out that possibly you uh, you have some some depth that uh, votes really well for the future of this football team and that is a, a change-up pitcher and uh, possibly uh, something that could, you know, nobody's on for 18 games a year, and that's potentially a, a different matchup consideration if things aren't going well or somebody gets a little banged up or nicked up during the rest of the season. You nailed it. It, it is a great time to be a Bomber fan because for the first time, certainly in a long time, but maybe ever, we have a young quarterback that could very well be around for many, many years, and we've got a great quarterback in Matt Nichols. I mean, what a one-two punch. Yeah, and, and they're gonna and they're competing against each other. I mean, that's the nature of the game. Whether the coaches come out and admit there's a, a competition or not, uh, it's the nature of, of professional athletes and competition is that these guys are going to want to – outdo each other and one-up each other. And, uh, you know, they're both very going to be aware of what the other is, is doing and accomplishing. And uh, I think that's a win-win scenario for everybody that uh, supports and watches this football team. Yeah, I mean, we can't get too excited about Montreal. I don't think the Owls are as good as uh, maybe we thought they were on, on defense. But did you did you feel pretty good about the other areas of the game for the Bombers on Friday night, Doug? Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Uh, I actually asked. Mike say that question after the game. I'm like, are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this good or the Montreal Alouettes this bad or is it something in between the two? And uh, he actually just started talking about something else. He didn't actually answer <laughs> the question. So uh, I don't think he wants to get into quantifying where his team's at right yeah. now. But, uh, yeah, what's going on on the radar because of this young upstart quarterback is uh, defense – uh, looks to be turning a corner, and special teams is contributing. So that game we saw in Montreal, I mean, a lot of times you can win a game if two of your phases of your football team, offense, defense, special teams, two of those three play well, you get a shot to win. Mm. Sometimes you can win a game if one phase is dominant. I think what we saw against Montreal were all three phases playing at a very high level and it was uh, it was a pretty scary uh, scary scenario for Montreal to to try and uh, contend with. Yeah, and, and uh, Bob mentioned this morning with uh, Mackling that you know the O line may may be the best in in the entire league. I mean, we've got a lot to be excited about as Bomber fans. Yeah, you know, and it, it kind of lends you the question about you know what made the 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 good new quarterback good was it his abilities showing up or was it the fact that he came onto a team with a fantastic offensive line, a bunch of very experienced, polished and veteran savvy receivers, a great running back and uh, an offensive coordinator who's able to adjust game plans to tailor to your strengths. Right. So is it the fact that the system is, uh, is producing a a good quarterback or was he good all along? It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, thing to wrap your head around. That's for sure. Well, listen, Big Bird, thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Have a good day. All right. There he goes. Doug Brown, Hall of Famer, broadcaster here on CJOB, Bob and Doug. Every time I say that, Bob Irving and Doug Brown, every time I say Bob and Doug, I want to go, you know, or whatever that thing is, right? Bob and Doug. Bob and Doug right here on CJOB.
OB. And then a great example of both sides of this, right? I get a text message from Doug. Seriously, when was the last time we had two good quarterbacks at once? Clements and Huffnagel, question mark, exclamation, question mark, right? That's Doug. And then Jordan texts in and he says, come on, it was against the Owls. Let's slow it down a tag, guys, right? So you got, you know, the people that are super excited. And and I'll tell you, I thought Strebler looked really good after his first game. And then, you know, obviously an amazing night on Friday night. And I started looking back at some of his old video from uh, in South Dakota, and I'm thinking, man, this guy's like, you know, you try not to get too excited because normally a guy like that would, you know, sit on the bench, right? He wouldn't really get a chance other than, you know, preseason games and stuff, but we're getting a chance to see him, and I'm going, wow, this kid is phenomenal, right? Now, as Doug said, is he that good or is it the fact that the opposition's not that good? We're going to find out. And uh, as Bob said and as Doug said, I agree. Matt Nichols, as soon as he's ready, you put Matt in. But it's nice to know that if Matt struggles or Matt gets hurt or even halfway through a game where we're struggling as a team, you can switch it up and throw Strevler in, right? And now you got a quarterback that can run it which is, I think, an exciting proposition. So, anyhow, let's talk about it. 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Bombers, one and one. And let's face it, at the start of the season when Matt went down, had we, you know, if we could get through the first two, splitting them, you know, splitting the games, we'd be okay with that, I think. Now maybe we only have to get through another two games before Matt's back. So it's it's looking pretty good in Bomberland. That's what I think. But what do you think? 204-780-6868. Hal at CJOB.com. My inbox is always open. We're going to break for the news here at 1.30. And then right after the news, Chris Rutkowski will join us, science writer and weirdologist. We're going to talk about Donald Trump's latest crazy idea, an American space force. Or is it that crazy of an idea? Maybe not. Chris Rutkowski, after the news, Hal on CJOB. The idea of a space force is not a fundamentally odd when you consider that the Army, uh, 70 years ago, uh, birthed the Air Force. Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're going to talk with uh, Chris Rutkowski about that here in just a moment. He's waiting on the phone. Donald Trump's latest bright idea. Space Force. But before we talk about that with Chris, let's go to the phone. Dan's on the line, 204-780-6868. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I got something for you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I still got it, man. Much better than my attempt at it. Very good. Hey, when uh, Trump was talking this morning about uh, space, whatever the heck, Space Force. Yeah. Well, it went through my head automatic. It was John Candy and Spaceballs. You know, was, <laughs> I'm like, seriously. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's serious about it. But you know what? I think he, he, even, he even admits that he brought it up thinking, well, this is kind of a silly idea. And then everybody around him started going, well, you know, Mr. President, that's not a bad idea. And now he seems to want to go with it. Space Force. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I think he needs one good idea out of all of it. Well, yeah, no kidding. Thanks, Dan. 
I'm going to get help. Bye. All right, let's talk more about Donald Trump's idea of a space force with Chris Rakowski, science writer and weirdologist. Hi, Chris. Hello there, Hal. Hello. Thank you for doing this. Actually, um, I came in this morning. I thought, geez, I'm going to get Chris on this. And then you reminded me of something you told me a while back on, maybe it was on my weekend show that you told me, but you actually had a defense contract. Was it back in the 80s to do exactly this? Yeah, it was back in uh, 1986, I guess, was actually published. I worked on it uh, in the middle of the 80s. And uh, it was a, uh, um, you know, it was a, it was the Star- Reagan's Star Wars program, because um, back in '83, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, had proposed the Strategic Defense Initiative, which was the idea of using lasers and all sorts of weapons in space to shoot down other satellites, and it, it was really an amazing part of the Cold War. And um, because of that, there had been a, pro- a number of proposals. In fact. Um, uh, Pierre Trudeau had made a proposal uh, at the United Nations uh, to uh, have a, a move to ban uh, all weapons in space. And uh, I think that was in 1982. So this is just about all around happening at the same time. And because of that, the Canadian uh, External Affairs Defense uh, Department were all, were all interested in uh, you know, how can Canada help in this and what, what's our role in this? And I ended up getting a, a defense contract to look at how um, to to study other satellites from space uh, while you're in space. So uh, whether you can tell whether there actually were bombs or whatever, uh, lasers and so forth on other satellites in space. And it's, uh, it's interesting that uh, Trump is talking about a space force when the weaponization of space has been with us for a very, very long time indeed. Right. Yeah. In fact, uh, back in the 60s, uh, the uh, Soviet Union, or then Soviet Union, um, had uh, a plan to put uh, nuclear bombs in orbit uh, so that they can just be dropped on uh, on wherever from space. Uh, you know, that was back in the 60s, and of course the Americans were working on something similar as well. So, you know, the idea of, uh, of weaponization in space and some sort of uh, military operations in space is is nothing new, and in fact... Back in uh, November or December of 2017, uh, something called a Space Corps was actually proposed in the United States. And it was, uh, you know, pardon the pun, shot down. But, uh, you know, this is something that's been going around for a while. In fact, um, Trump himself mentioned uh, uh, Space Force back in March of this year. So it's sort of coming back and, and, uh, you uh, you know, resurfacing now and then. But the reality is, uh, you know, there always has been, or for a long time now, um, the United States uh, Space Command uh, under the Air Force. So, I mean, you know, the space shuttle flies under the aegis of the Air Force and so forth. So, you know, there has been a space force in effect for some time, although it's simply not called that. So creating another division, uh, I'm, I'm puzzled as to why it's necessary since things are chugging along quite nicely right now. Well, here's why I think it might be necessary, why Trump might be onto something. And you tell me if I'm wrong, because if we when I say we, I mean the Americans, if we don't do it, if Trump and the Americans don't do it, the Russians will or the Chinese will. And then they'll be out in front of us. Doesn't America need to sort of be the leader on this? Well, you'd think that uh, that, w- that would make sense. Although, as I mentioned, I mean, this has been going on for some time. Yeah. 
already. And I think it would be uh, foolish to think that this hasn't already been in practice by Russia or China, uh, you know, by having some sort of weaponization. In fact, certainly China would have uh, most of the uh, uh, its space uh, command military uh, already part of a military operation. So I think the weaponization, the militarization of space is something that's already in existence. Mm. So creating a separate one, um, you know, probably isn't necessary in my view anyways. Okay. Well, that's fair. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, Chris, uh, when I was lining up this interview with Chris today, he emailed me the cover of the report for his uh, defense uh, contract, and it, it's very cool to look at. It says, the role of astronomical instruments in arms control verification. Chris A. Rutkowski, <laughs> University of Manitoba. First of all, just because I'm nosy and, and we know each other, what does the A stand for? What's your middle name? Oh, Anthony. Anthony. Chris <laughs> Anthony Rutkowski. That's right. Now, the other thing is uh, that I got to ask you, and maybe you won't tell me, but I'll ask. Um, with these defense contracts, of course, they're infamous for being millions and millions of dollars for a hammer, you know, and something <laughs> silly like that. Did you get rich off this, Chris? No, that's why I'm talking with you today from a payphone. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, I mean, I certainly was paid, uh, uh, you know, uh, for for doing my work. I yeah. ended up they ended up flying me to Ottawa to uh, give a presentation at External Affairs uh, in front of a bunch of top brass and oh, so cool. forth. And and it was it was kind of interesting. And uh, it was one direction I was considering for. Uh, for my own careers, but, uh, you know, working for defense never appealed to me, uh, for one way. I was actually involved in the peace movement at one point for the, right. uh, at the university. So it never uh, was really completely appealing, although I have to tell you, you know, it's, uh, it, it is an application of, of uh, scientific knowledge that, um, you know, it does lead to things. And we wouldn't have radar in such wide use today, probably, uh, or in the way it's being used, if it mm-hmm. hadn't been developed for World War II. So, yeah. you know, uh, military spending does spin off into benefits for the general population. So, and, and there's many benefits for what we're dealing with today with regard to the Space Force. Yeah, and some people would argue that a strong defense is necessary for that peace. Uh, I have to say yes. You know, yeah. there's no question that that's, uh, you know, defensive postures uh, are always better than offensive postures in, in any sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Well, anyhow, it's a great conversation, and uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it, and I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk more about it. I just think it's interesting. It's, it almost seems, and I don't know if this is how it happened, but it almost seems like Trump just kind of off the top of his head said, you know, hey, Space Force, and then people around him sort of went, well, you know, and then, I mean, even guys like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson are saying, it's not that crazy an idea, and now Trump seems to kind of be running with it. Well, it's certainly not a crazy idea, although, um, as I mentioned, you know, it's something that we already kind of have in, in, without being calling it a, a space force. And, you know, some people have said it's a distraction from other things. And, I mean, it's so cool yeah. that, of course, you have to talk about it, and I'd rather talk about it than some of the other things that are happening in the news today. Right. Um, and, you know, if it uh, results in uh, some interesting applications and, and spinoffs, uh, you know, certainly employment is a big part of it, research, uh, hardcore research. I mean, we went to the moon uh, largely because of a, an attempt to beat the Russians. So if this is uh, the intent, uh, you know, and the spinoffs from going to the moon were an incredible uh, advancement of education for our young people in, in not just the United States, but throughout North America, uh, I mean, it's, uh, one can see some benefits.
Hey, I just got a great text message from Mike. I'm going to read it for you, and then you weigh in on this, because uh, for people that don't know, but I think most people know, you also put together the annual UFO report, right? Um, Mike says at 204-780-6868, Hal, I do believe in other life in space, but if they were truly intelligent, there's no way they would ever get involved with us. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I would say definitely. All you have to do is watch uh, CNN uh, any night, and you'd have to think, no, there's no intelligent life on Earth whatsoever. (laughs) Or if somebody saw a feed of CNN, they'd just turn around and go back to their own galaxy, I think. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fun conversation, Chris. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Hal. All right. Chris Rutkowski, science writer and weirdologist. Thank you, Mike, for the text message. Weigh in if you want, 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. We're going to talk to Garth Rogerson in just a moment here about the Red River X. It wrapped up yesterday. Garth has the final attendance numbers. He was on this morning with Greg Mackling. Didn't have the numbers then. He'll have them here in a moment. After a break, Hal Anderson on CJOB. 24 degrees. We said the humidity might be a factor today. 64% right now, and that is making it feel like uh, 26 degrees. So a couple degrees warmer than the temperature right now of 24 degrees. Speaking of the weather... I was doing the show live Friday at the Red River X, and with just minutes left in the show, I was just wrapping up my conversation with communications and marketing uh, manager Jody Johnson at the Red River X. We were there live, just wrapping things up. A couple more minutes, the show would have been over, and uh, the Bomber pregame show would have started, and then... Uh, All right, you go, Jody. It's getting a little heavier. I don't want you to get wet. Sorry to, good. sorry to keep Thanks you so out here. Thanks so much for coming. No, and thank you for having us. Sorry to keep you out in the miserable weather. I really thought we were going to escape this, Mike the Engineer, covering up the equipment like a real pro. Um, we've only got four or five minutes. Mike, do we keep going? I think we keep going, eh? Huh? No? Mike says, no, we can't. we got to shut her down. It's too windy and too much rain here at the Red River X. All right? Okay. Hal Anderson signing off. Enjoy your weekend. See ya. All right, so that's what happened. That was just before 4 o'clock on Friday. And, of course, uh, the Red River X, there are jokes about the weather. Whenever the Red River X is on, the weather's not great. But, actually, during the X this year, the weather was pretty nice. And Garth Rogerson, the CEO of the X, joins us on the phone now. Garth, thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. I heard you with Greg Mackling this morning talking about uh, the numbers at the Red River X. You did not have the final numbers yet, but you've got right. them now. Tell us. Yeah, it's 195,793. And how does that compare to other years? Well, that's that's up, but, you know, not up as, as much as you would think. Uh, you know, with the, the you know you pray for the, the sunny weather and then you get it, but then it's too hot, you know, and it, it was extremely hot for many days. And then, of course, as you're talking on Friday, you know, it was blistering hot and then a sudden downpour came for several hours so we had some challenges that way and um so you know during the week i was actually wishing for a little bit of rain you know and <laughs> i couldn't even believe i was thinking it but um but yeah it was very very hot so we're we're up about uh, 3% on attendance and i thought you know we would be up 15 20% but uh, that wasn't the case this year yeah well when the you know when it's an event that relies on the weather to be just perfect boy it it can be challenging oh absolutely you know and some of those days were it was really almost unsafe and we had our medical crews just running all day long with people uh, you know overheating and dehydrated and so forth so it was a bit of a challenge for us you know uh, jody's fantastic i really enjoyed working with her this year and uh maybe talk a little bit about some
something she spoke about with me on Friday, putting the fair back in the Red River X. I think this is the right approach. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we a number of years ago brought back the art show and the photo show. And, you know, that photo show now is one of the largest in Canada. And, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's really growing. And it's, it's gone international as well. We had a lot of entries from Europe. So that we're going to see the real expansion of that, the quilt show. Uh, hobby showcase is a lot of fun. You know, we're putting in also a lot of family entertainment. And uh, we're working on a new plan to open a, an area called the Enchanted Forest next year, which is going to create a lot of new family programming. So really that, that growth of the fair side of it. So what I say to a lot of people, you know, you know, you, you come in, you don't have to go to the carnival, to the midway rides. You can just walk around and enjoy all the different shows and activities yeah. and so forth. Well, anyhow, Garth, I wanted to get you on for a couple minutes and just get that number out. So 195,000 and change up about 3% at the X. You bet. Excellent. Garth Rogerson. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. CEO of the Red River X. Um, I wanted to uh, let you know about the weekend box office. My wife and I have been going to a lot of movies lately. We were at the cottage on the weekend, so we didn't get to uh, uh, we didn't get to a movie this weekend. I'll go top five here. We'll go top five all the way up to number one. Okay, in fifth place with five million two hundred and fifty thousand dollars at the weekend box office, Deadpool two. We're getting close. You all know the drill. Intercept the convoy. Watch out for cable. Number five, Deadpool 2 in fourth place with $8.2 million. Probably the next movie that we will go and check out in theaters. Tag. Tag in fourth place, 8.2 mil. You look ghastly, Robert. I haven't been sleeping. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not uh, tag. Uh, Number three. Got a little quick on the trigger finger there. Uh, In number three. Spot Oceans 8, 11,650,000. So it continues to do well. We went and saw that a couple of weeks ago. It's a pretty good movie. Still hanging in there with good numbers in second place. Incredibles 2, $80 million. Actually, just about $81 million for Incredibles 2 in second place. You look ghastly, Robert. I haven't been sleeping. I broke my daughter. They keep changing math. We needed AA batteries, but I got AAAs, and now we still need AA batteries. Put one red thing in with a load of whites, and now everything's pink. And I think we need eggs. Done properly, parenting is a heroic act. Done properly. I am fortunate that it has never afflicted me. Incredibles 2 in second place, 81 million. And in first place, as expected, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, it took in about what people expected it to take in, $150 million. They're like mists. And then you see the first one alive. This is not your fault. But it is. This one's on me. I showed him the way. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, $150 million on the weekend, topping the weekend box office. We're going to talk more about this later. We don't have time to hear, but I'll just play a quick little clip. Roseanne Barr finally has been heard on her racist tweet, which cost her her series, Roseanne. And uh, she spoke on a podcast. A friend of hers has a podcast. She was on this podcast, 
and she lost it. She started crying. Here's a little bit of Roseanne Barr. Um, some might say feeling sorry for herself after what she did, but here's Roseanne Barr on her racist tweet and everything that it cost her. I'm so sorry that I, you know, was so unclear and stupid. Roseanne Barr calls herself stupid. ABC, of course we now know, has ordered 10 episodes of a Roseanne spinoff called The Connors. And Roseanne not involved at all in that. And like I said, we'll talk more about that a little later on. Also, coming up on the show here, tough trivia. Your chance to win some Santa Lucia pizza. I think we'll do that right after the news here at 2 with Cam Poitras. So hang on for the news. And then your chance to win. Tough trivia question. Santa Lucia pizza up for grabs. We're going to talk about Flair Air. David Tate, the chair of Flair Air was on with Greg Mackling this morning. I want to play some of that conversation back for you. And farm safety, big issue this morning uh, and to today after a tragic accident on the weekend. Rene Simcoe will join us on farm safety. And as promised, a Muchos Kilos song coming up. That's me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. So hang on, lots on the way. Hal Anderson Afternoons on CJOB. All right, thank you, Cam. we got tough trivia coming up here in just a bit, approaching 2.05 here on a Monday afternoon. Let me just go through a few of your text messages here. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. You can talk, store, uh, talk or text at that number. And uh, certainly getting some text messages uh, today. Uh, Scott says, Hal, Roseanne not involved in the Connors except a big payout to her so ABC can do it. Yes, that's true. Uh, ABC did have to pay Roseanne some go-away money. Uh, Scott says, I feel ABC are being hypocrites. They should pay off the other actors for their losses, not Roseanne. Well, although, uh, Scott, most of the actors now, other actors, uh, will get work, right? They've got uh, 10 episodes of this uh, new spinoff series called The Connors. So I think most of them will, uh, will be working on that now. Uh, and unfortunately, you got to give Roseanne something because the you know these characters were her creation is basically I guess what they're saying. Another one here, Hal saw. Speaking of uh, movies on the weekend, saw Hereditary on the weekend, worst movie ever, which bothers me because I like scary movies. They're hard to find. This one has been billed as this generation's. The Exorcist, and yet everybody I talk to does not like it. Even Brett McGarry, one of the couch potatoes, only gave it three cushions uh, out of five. So I guess maybe I'll wait and watch Hereditary at home. We were talking about how hot it got at the Red River X, and Rob says, how best thing for dehydration, coconut water. Yeah, my wife says the same thing. I've never tried it, but uh, she says the same thing. Uh, Tim says... Uh, Hal, it was Starfleet that united the Earth. Just think of the huge economic growth having to build brand new technology. I think it's time to start developing the secrets in tech for the everyday population. And, of course, Tim is reacting to Donald Trump and his idea of a space force, which we'll talk more about. And then somebody else says, Hal, Trump can't get the wall built, so he's starting a space force instead. Yeah, maybe. And some people think this idea of a space force is just a distraction away from 
you know, when he was separating families at the border and immigration and the fact that so far he has not been able to get that wall built and not even close to getting Mexico to pay for it. So thanks for your text messages. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and have a chat with me. Talk with me, 204-780-6868, and emails. Inbox always open, hal at cjob.com. All right, so we're giving away some Santa Lucia pizza. Here is our tough trivia question for today. On average, when you buy this product, you throw away about 15% of it. What is it? That's our tough trivia question for Santa Lucia pizza, 204-780-6868. On average, when you buy this product, you throw away about 15% of it. What product is it? You throw away about 15% of it. And you can't text in or email your answers to the tough trivia question. You've got to pick up your phone and tell me. 204-780-6868. One more time. On average, when you buy this product, you throw away about 15% of it. For Santa Lucia Pizza. Let's go to the phones here and see if we can get the correct answer. Hi, have you got a guess? Lettuce. What Lettuce. Lettuce. No, not lettuce, but that is a very good guess. You do throw away a lot of the lettuce you buy. Hi, CGOB. Toothpaste. Not toothpaste, no. Hi, CGOB. Hi, is it cheese? Did you say cheese? Yes. No, not cheese. Uh-uh. Um, now, lettuce was not the correct answer, but uh, oh, I'm not going to give a hint yet. Hi, CGOB. Banana. Not a banana, no. Hi, have you got a guess? Uh, is it broccoli? Not broccoli. Nope. On average, when you buy this product, you throw away about 15% of it. What product is that? For Santa Lucia Pizza, 204-780-6868. Hi, CGOB. Hello, can it be watermelon? Watermelon. No, it's not watermelon. Hello, CJOB. Hey, is it bread? On average, you throw away 15% of a loaf of bread. Yes. Yeah, you know, you don't want the crossy. You throw the first one away, you throw the last one away, and then sometimes it sits on the counter too long, and then it gets a little mold on there, and you throw, yes, 15%. What is your name? Totally. My name's Ryan. Ryan, you uh, have just won yourself some Santa Lucia pizza. Awesome. Yeah. Hang on. We'll get you all signed up for the Santa Lucia pizza. All right, so on uh, the morning show this morning, Mackling and McGarry, Greg Mackling, all on his own because uh, Brett McGarry's on holidays, but uh, Greg was talking this morning with the chair of Flair Air. His name is David Tate. Well, Flair is an airline that's been around for, for over a dozen years or so now, but we in the last year we transitioned from being an old charter operator to a scheduled carrier. So we now have... Uh, coast-to-coast travel from from Winnipeg to, to you name it, where, where do you want to go? We'll, we'll take you as far as uh, Victoria going to the left side, and we'll take you to, uh, to Halifax. Well, actually, the connection doesn't work too well to Halifax, but we take you to Hamilton going the other way. So from, from Winnipeg, we now have uh, service to uh, direct service uh, to Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Hamilton, and we can take you to Victoria and, and, and Kelowna as well with a connection. And Tate explains here why now for Flair Air. The airline industry has been a very cyclical, cyclical, whatever the word is, business. It sort of has its ups and downs, and and mainly because a lot of it is the, the biggest single cost 
where their travel is fuel. And of course, as everyone <laughs> as everyone knows, jet fuel, fuel in general, has been going up and down um, for a long time. So as fuel comes down, air, air travel uh, prices tend to come down. So that's a big part of it. But the, but the oil industry has been on a high of late. Where Canada has been kind of cheated for a while now is that, that since that, there's, there's a little airline based in Calgary that you may know about, um, that uh, when, when they came on the scene some years ago, they reduced the cost of flying for Canadians. But they've kind of uh, they've kind of uh, been steadily increasing in their fares now to the point that Canada has just got really two major airlines, which kind of has held Canadians hostage for a while as far as uh, the cost of air travel is concerned. So what we're doing is we're trying to set the clock back a little bit and bring in a really low fare low fare ticket prices for for Canadians to get pretty much wherever they want. Um, and, uh, and and so the, the the big difference with that is that, that what's enabled low affairs is what's called de- debundling. The the old model used to be um, one where you would pay for stuff that you didn't really want. If you wanted to take a a, a check bag, then then it was people thought it was it was free. If you wanted to have a drink on board, wow, it's free. But if you didn't want those things, you were paying for them anyway. So they were never really free. They were all sort of, it was kind of a, a prefix mode. So uh, the industry has slowly, well, outside of Canada, in, uh, in all over the world pretty much, except for Canada, the industry has been going to this mode of, of a la carte air ticket pricing. So if you want to take a bag and you want to check it, then you'll pay for it. If you want something to eat on board, you'll pay for it. If you don't want those things, if you don't value those things, you don't have to pay for them. And that's what's managed to bring the cost of air travel down. And, and what's what it's the way that Flair works. So if you don't want it, you don't pay for it. We're listening to David Tate, chairman of Flair Air from Mackling and McGarry this morning. By the way, Brett McGarry on holidays, but Greg Mackling, he is around again tomorrow from 6 to 10 here on CJOB. A couple more clips here from David Tate at Flair Air. Listen. We're an old jet service, so you're not paying for, a, if you pay for a lower price, you don't get a, a, a smaller, um, tight-seated, um, propeller-driven airplane or whatever. So um, that's, that's, that's one major thing for a lot of people. We're not cramming you in there. I heard somebody talking earlier about cramped cramped in air seats. We, we, have, we have very comfortable seating, so you're not packed in like sardines, which is the way that some some of the lower cost uh, carriers in 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 the U.S. and in, in Europe, they'll, they'll they'll pack you in to get the fares down. We we don't do that. We have comfortable uh, leather seats that are. I've got plenty. I'm six foot three. And I'm very happy traveling on our own airline. Um, so 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 the, 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 the it's 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 a model that is changing dramatically. Uh, it's just where they, most people are in kind of a transition mode now because they remember how things used to be. But uh, we can get you, for instance, this 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 weekend, uh, still this holiday weekend coming up, we can still get you to, well, what's an example? We can get you from Winnipeg to Victoria round trip, leaving Thursday, coming back Monday for under $400, which is, is, is pretty darn good value. And one more here. I didn't know this until I heard it this morning. Uh, with Greg Mackling when he was talking to uh, David Tate, but apparently Tate was Richard Branson's right-hand man at Virgin Air. We put in a service, you know, this, we brought in, it wasn't Virgin Atlantic, which is what I started with Branson, um, wasn't, it was a long haul. We flew from London to, to New York was our first route, and we flew that with just one airplane for, for a couple of years. And it was really all about, about people service. We, we gave low fares, but we treated our, our customers, our passengers, really, really well, which back then was, 
was pretty revolutionary stuff. You know, airlines at the time hadn't figured out that if you're if you're nice to your customers, they're more likely to come back. You know, go figure. <laughs> uh, passengers actually like getting smiled at and ridiculous stuff like that. Right. So it was it was all about it was all about sort of inexpensive, um, but 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 nice service. People talked. We were the first people to put seat back videos and stuff in in, in our airplanes in every seat. But what people still talked about was how 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 nice we were to them on board. I hate the word nice, but for one of a better word. Um, and and that's what's that's that's what made that airline was our people. And I don't care what business you're in, you're in, your people are really your product. And that's the way we're looking at it at Flair. We want to we want people to come back to fly with us again, not just for the low fare because they can't, but because they like what we do with them. We like they like who we are, and and um, and we're going to be expanding shortly from Winnipeg. We haven't announced it as yet, but we'll be flying south of the border as well. David Tate with Greg Mackling this morning here on CJOB. Flair Air uh, now serving Winnipeg. There's some other stuff going on uh, with the airport and with air travel. We'll get into that stuff, I think, next half hour. I want to go to a text message that I got from Tim earlier, actually, uh, probably almost an hour ago now. Uh, Tim says, Hal, Emtera, probably in the right. Another Bowman blunder? Question mark. And what Tim is talking about is a story you may have heard in the news, and it will certainly be in the news again at 2.30 with Cam Poitras coming up here in less than 10 minutes. But Emtera Environmental is suing the city of Winnipeg for almost $67 million in damages. The company claims the city breached its contract between August 2012 and September 2017 when Emtera provided garbage, recycling, bulk waste, and yard waste collection in the city. Details now, Global News reporter Austin Saragusa. In a statement of claim filed this morning, Emtera alleges the city damaged its company, cut corners, and changed the scope of work midway through the contract. The suit alleges the city failed to supply correct data to the company, bought garbage and recycling carts that didn't meet specifications, and changed the scope of work without additional compensation. A press release on the lawsuit says a gag order within Emtera's contract previously prevented the company from making these issues public. City officials declined comment noting the matter is now before the courts and none of these allegations have been proven in court. Austin Siragusa, Global News. Thank you, Austin. All right, so no comment from the city. Back to Tim's text message at 204-780-6868. Yes, Tim, I kind of thought the same thing when I heard that story this morning. Now, we'll see if these claims are proven in court, but we have seen this before where taxpayers are left to pay a big amount of money like this because of a mistake made at City Hall. Uh, I guess we'll wait and see what happens with the lawsuit, but boy, $67 million. And lots of times these suits start really high, and even if they do get settled, in this case, toward the person who's filed the suit, it's often not that big a number. But we'll see. And as a taxpayer, yeah, I... Thought the same thing, Tim. I kind of thought, oh boy, here we go again. Could it be another screw up at City Hall that ends up costing taxpayers millions of dollars? Certainly possible. We'll wait and see, but it is certainly possible. Maybe you want to weigh in on that. 204 780 6868. 204 780 68. All kinds of things going on today. I promised you I'd, I'd play a, a song. I would dig into the archives. 
and find a good Monday song uh, from Muchos Kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. I had such a hard time. We had a beautiful weekend at the lake, uh, at the cottage, and this morning, normally I'm in for 8 o'clock in the morning for the, the news meeting that we have every morning, and I, I skipped it today because I just my alarm went off, and I was like, ugh, snooze, snooze, snooze. And it is harder on Mondays. I don't know why. Now here I'm doing the show and I'm having a great time and I'm glad I'm here. But getting up this morning, it was tough. It definitely was tough. So here we go into the archives. A Muchos Kilo song from a couple of years ago. Me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. It is a Pink Floyd ripoff. It's not called Money. It's called Monday. Just for you if you're having a tough Monday like me. We're waiting together for the end of the day. Hal Anderson on CJOB, the news at 2.30, coming right up. Uh, On the weekend, uh, Cam was working and uh, covered, uh, you might have heard in the news this morning, uh, a tragic story from a farm on the weekend. This was uh, Cam's report this morning on the news. Listen. It's an accident that brings pain that is unimaginable as a parent or grandparent. A four-year-old boy has died in hospital after being rushed there around 3.30 Saturday afternoon. He was seriously injured after a utility trailer the boy was riding in came loose and rolled back into a ditch. The utility trailer, loaded with a water tank, was being pulled by an acreage tractor driven by a 63-year-old woman. The accident happened about six kilometers northwest of Lorette, according to St. Pierre's Jolie RCMP. The investigation is ongoing. All right, so obviously a a tragic story, and uh, that will be investigated, and I guess we'll find out more as it goes along. But it it is an opportunity for us to talk about farm safety and remind us the importance of this. Rene Simcoe is the communications coordinator for the Manitoba Farm Safety Program, and she joins us on the phone now. Rene, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. No, no problem. So what is the most important message uh, uh, to get out there? What, what do you uh, tell farmers? What is the program all about? Maybe let's start there. So our program uh, is about providing uh, resource support, both on farm and um, physical, you know, uh, resources on our website, etc. training opportunities for farmers. Um, so we educate them on um, on how workplace safety and health legislation applies to the agriculture sector, um, and we work with uh, individual industries in the sector to um, to help them better understand how they can be more safe on their farm. Yeah, and this is really important because uh, I mean, listen, I grew up on a, on a farm till I was five or six, and then I, I spent a lot of time on my uh, my grandpa's farm after that, and and I can remember times when you know the, the old Minneapolis trailer pulled the the flatbed and we went picking rock and I was riding mm-hmm. on the flatbed and I mean I think a lot of things happen then that don't happen now, but we still need to be really aware of those potentially dangerous situations on farms, don't we? That's correct, yes. 
yeah, no, we see, um, I, I totally get that. And I've, we hear stories about that all the time. It's uh, often you have fond memories, right? Of your, um, spending time with family members, sure. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, are do you guys at the uh, Manitoba Farm Safety Program, do you have regular workshops where farmers can come in and get refreshers or, or how does the program work? I mean, you mentioned the online information that's available. Do you do you have workshops where farmers come in? Do you go to farms? Tell us how that works. Yeah, so we do both of those things. Our, uh, our farm safety consultant has been working uh, in safety for about 25 years and, and also owning and running her own farm and so she has expertise in agriculture safety whereas many um, many of the safety and health officers or professionals in the industry uh, won't have that specific experience so she will um, you know through appointment um, calling myself or, or calling the office I should say or her you can arrange to have her for free it's free to any farm um, it's a it's a service that's provided through Keystone Agricultural Producers. Our program is hosted by them, so this is all for farmers, and we want to make it as accessible as possible. So there's no there's no fee attached. But she can come on to the farm. Um, she can meet a farmer wherever they'd like. It doesn't have to be on their farm. She can do a mock run-through of how a um, safety and health officer, a visit from a safety and health officer would go, the types of things they look for, etc. She uh, previously had worked for Workplace Safety and Health, so she knows exactly what they're looking for. And now at this point in her life, she is just doing it on an advisory level. So um, none of that information ever goes back um, to anybody. It stays completely confidential between her and the, and the farm. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of training, we offer, in fact, right now we're just wrapping up our fourth week of a seminar series. We've been doing two workshops, or sorry, two seminars each week uh, throughout the month of June, and those are introduction to uh, workplace safety and health as it applies to the farmers. So we are hoping to offer um, some more of those later on in probably about November later on, and whenever it starts to snow, essentially, whenever farmers are out of the field. And um, and then we're going to be offering as well some follow-up to that, so a little bit more. So, like I said, these are introductory, then we're going to be going to, you know, what's next, next level. Um, introducing all of these ideas slowly, although we have... Um, workplace safety and health legislation has applied to farming since 1977. Um, the biggest... Um, challenges that most farmers don't realize it. So um, we're just trying to prepare people as best we can and and get that message out there. Yeah, you mentioned your farm safety consultant. Unfortunately, she wasn't available today, but I'm glad you are uh, to be able to come on and talk about this because I, I think it's timely. We have to be getting better, though, when it comes to farm safety, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so... um some of the things, some of the, some of the um, injuries that we see, we often, when you look at the numbers, they're so slow to, um, to decrease. The injuries are so slow to decrease, and we've seen a reduction in some of the other industries, these ones that are considered high risk, like construction um, and manufacturing, and you know they've done over the la- over the last you know five or ten years. Workplace safety and health has come down fairly hard on some of those ones, and you have seen a very 
clear reduction in in, in numbers mm-hmm. in, of injuries, and that's not happened yet in farming. Um, and it's still considered one of the most um, or the most high risk uh, occupation in Manitoba today. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's dangers everywhere on the farm. I mean, whether it's, you know, shoveling grain with the auger right there or, you know, uh, on the back of a trailer or, or a tractor mm-hmm. and equipment being pulled by a tractor. I think maybe in farming, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe in farming it's tougher to see the numbers come down because we're dealing with almost a way of life as opposed to a job. Does that make sense? It It's correct. And the only numbers that we really have access to are the ones that we can um, get from injuries that are reported to work uh, the WCB. Mm-hmm. So um, most farmers, many farmers only employ, um, you know, their fam- family members, uh, their own children, um, close friends who work for a few weeks here or there, but they don't pay into WCB. Right. And so... And if they're getting an injury, they mean that they're not reporting it because why would they? Mm. Um, at this point in time, the way that it is, uh, you don't have to take out WCB coverage. I mean, it's not required that you take it out for family members. It's only if you pay um, non-family workers. So um, people, farmers can take it out for themselves, but many of them don't. And the other thing is, is that when farmers do get injured, a lot of times, yes, they'll go to the hospital, uh, but they would never consider it to be a workplace injury because like you said their homes often are it's it's one and the same their farm and their home are one and the same and and that's one of the other reasons why you see um quite a few incidents involving children because they're this is a unique scenario you're seeing a workplace and a home um that it's being it's the same place so you're not really able to take you're not really able to go home from work at the end of the day and so children um children are at the workplace yeah hey listen renee thanks for your time today i really appreciate it no worries thank right. you renee simcoe she's the communications coordinator for the manitoba farm safety program we wanted to have her on uh, after that uh, horrible tragic farm accident on the weekend that you've been hearing about here today on CJOB. I wanted to play uh, a little more here uh, from astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. He was on Fareed Zakaria's show on CNN yesterday, and I happened to catch it live, and I watched it, and they were talking about Trump's idea of a space force. By the way, uh, uh, Donald Trump is getting ready to, I believe it's Trump, or it might just be uh, the White House uh, press secretary, that's going to comment, but I think Trump himself is going to comment soon on the situation on the border with uh, Mexico and the U.S. So we may take a bit of that, but here is astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson on Trump's latest idea of a space force. And uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson says it ain't that crazy an idea. I've thought a lot about it, but I don't have a strong opinion. The idea of a space force is not a fundamentally odd when you consider that the army uh, 70 years ago uh, birthed the air force Uh, there was the army air force and once we realized that technology and war fighting capabilities evolve and was going to take place up in the uh, in in the airspace rather than the ground space then it was sensible 
to suggest that perhaps this should be an entire branch of the military unto itself. So today, uh, all space capabilities of the military are handled by the Air Force. That was the natural extension of what the Air Force people did. And it's huge. Uh, Air Force controls the GPS. Right, most which, people don't realize. And I know someone who has a yeah. show called GPS. <laughs> but but <laughs> mo most people don't realize that GPS, which is really now basically the underpinnings of the digital economy. I mean, everything yes. we do yes. in terms of location. Billions right. of dollars of commerce. Is, 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 is funded on the, on the back of, the, of an infrastructure sustained run by the U.S. Air Force. By the U.S. Air Force, that's correct. And there's an entire place where that happens in Colorado. The point is that we as a nation have assets in space of, of incalculable value. And so when you think of what a military does, as a minimum, they would protect a nation's interest, a nation's assets. And space is another place. You have the ground, you have the air, and you have space. So it's not a, a weird idea to say we perhaps should have a space force. The question is, does the Air Force think that they can't handle it under the current uh, administrative uh, bureaucratic structures? And if not, then maybe it's a good idea. But if the generals say, we got this, then I don't see the need to force it on them. What I also have noticed in the last few months is that the Chinese and the Russians have gotten more active in very interesting ways. So the Chinese went up and destroyed one of their old satellites. Mm -hmm. And the Russians went up and um, essentially uh, deactivated one. And I thought that they were in some sense signaling you know, we have the capacity to go up into space and to screw around with stuff or to destroy it entirely. The fact that they could do it to theirs means they could just as easily do it to American stuff. Every single thing you do in space is a capability, okay? Can you send people into space? Can you dock in space? Can you spacewalk? Can you stay in space for, for months? for a year? Can you move a satellite? Can you destroy a satellite? Can you retrieve a satellite? All of this is a, hmm, you know, you make note of this. So once you have this checklist, then uh, yourself as well as your adversaries will look to see what, uh, w whether any of these can be sort of weaponized or used for nefarious uh, purposes. Neil deGrasse Tyson yesterday with Fareed Zakaria on CNN talking about Donald Trump's latest idea of a space force. We'll talk more about it after the news at 3. Cam Poitras is going to have the news for you at 3 and then uh, I know Kim wants to chat a bit about the space force idea. Uh, so we'll do that. And by the way, uh, we've got this uh, fire burning at Orloff Scrap Metals latest on that. Uh, coming up in the news at 3 with Cam, so hang on for that. And I checked, and it is, in fact, uh, Press Secretary um, Sanders that will be doing this uh, news conference at the White House. It's a White House briefing, not Trump. But actually, she's going to get a lot of questions because she went for dinner on the weekend at a restaurant, and they asked her to leave. They said, we don't like you. You work for... POTUS, you, you work for Donald Trump. We believe around here in honesty and compassion. The co-owner was saying this to her. We believe around here in honesty and compassion and stuff like that. Obviously, you and your president don't stand for that. We would like you to leave. And they asked her to leave the restaurant. She got up and she left. 
So Sarah Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, will be talking about that, I'm sure. I'm sure those will be some of the first questions from reporters at the White House. So we'll see if we can take a bit of that right at the start, because I imagine that's when the questions will be asked for her. we got to take a break here, though. 248, Hal Anderson on CJOB. And 253, about seven minutes away from the news, and uh, the news with uh, Cam Poitras. And then Cam and I are going to talk about the Space Force idea, but Roger's on the line wanting to talk about that right now at 204-780-6868. Yes, Roger, what did you want to say about Trump's oh, idea? I, yeah. No. Oh, well, that was no good. Call back, please, Roger. We lost you. I don't know why. We uh, had you, and then we lost you. 204 780-6868. Happening right now over at the Delta Hotel. The Canadian Transportation Agency is inviting Winnipeggers to share their thoughts today on new air regs, new air regulations in the airline industry. Let me play this clip of Scott Striner, he is the chair and CEO of the Canadian Transportation Agency, and then we'll go back to Roger on the phone. But here is what uh, Scott Striner, chair and CEO of the Canadian Transportation Agency, told Kathy Kennedy today, filling in for Jeff Courier, about these uh, hearings at the Delta. Parliament passed changes to the Canada Transportation Act that came into effect on May the 23rd. Uh, among those changes is a new authority for the Canadian Transportation Agency, the CTA, to make regulations setting out minimum air passenger entitlements in a variety of situations. Uh, and we, five days after the bill came into force on May the 28th, launched a three-month public consultation process to hear from Canadians on what they think should be in those regulations. The legislation that passed sets out the various areas in which we can make these uh, new air passenger protection regulations. Flight delays and cancellations, denied boarding, lost or damaged bags, tarmac delays over three hours, uh, and also how an airline has to communicate with its passengers on their rights and responsibilities. Uh, we have to decide now on the details, specifically what are going to be those minimum obligations that airlines have. Uh, and we're traveling across the country to hear from Canadians on what they think. Uh, and we've also put into place uh, an online consultation process through a dedicated website, airpassengerprotection.ca. And those hearings are going till 4 o'clock at the Delta this afternoon. All right, Sarah Sanders, let's take a bit of her. She's talking right now about being asked to leave a restaurant on the weekend. Relationship. Lastly, and on a slightly lighter, lighter and more positive note, it should be an exciting national championship at the College World Series since the Arkansas Razorbacks will be playing and take on Oregon State starting tonight in Omaha. So go Hogs, and with that, I'll take your questions. Jonathan. Sir, I want to ask you about the President's uh, tweet over the uh, weekend where he said that uh, people across the border illegally should be sent back with no court cases, no judges. All right, you know what? They're going to get into the border thing, uh, and uh, she did comment on what happened to her at the start. We missed it, unfortunately. So let's get Roger in here. We might go a bit late. News coming up here in a few minutes. But, Roger, I wanted to get you on quickly on the Space Force. We're kind of bouncing all over the place, but go ahead. Okay, quick, quick. Uh, the Air Force, why not uh, NASA? I mean, to start up an entire force, why not basically NASA's already been on space? Just put a basically a military arm of, of uh, NASA. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of what he said. He said, we're going to open up NASA, and then he called it a space force. So he, that might very well be what happens. They just yeah. uh, fire up NASA a little more. Quick, more of a trivia. Remember, okay, science fiction. You remember the movie uh, James Bond, Moonraker? Yes. You remember that uh, that at the very end, they had that entire big battle up in space with all the, uh, the American astronauts? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, vaguely. Your memory's better than mine, Roger. Yeah. Yeah, but that's kind of what Trump is going towards, basically. Yeah. You know what? We'll see. Yeah. 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 All right, buddy. Okay. We're going to talk more about it after the news. Thanks for the call. All right. Bye. Appreciate Bye. it. All right. The news at three. Cam Poitras coming right up. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? Well, actually, Dave, Camp Poitras is here. And we're going to talk about the latest lame brain idea from Donald Trump. Space Force! Bum, 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 yes. bum, Classic, classic <laughs> stuff. I had to play it today. Uh, so what do you think of this idea, Cam? I, I, I mean, even Neil deGrasse Tyson is saying there's something here. I did a little bit of digging on this, yeah. and it's been going on for a while here. Yeah. Uh, I, I found this kind of interesting uh, thing. In 2007, China launched a satellite killer that demonstrated to the world that it had the ability to destroy a weather satellite from space. This happened, like, almost 12 years ago now. So then mm. the States, a year later, tried to match that feat by destroying an American reconnaissance satellite. So wow. the ba- it's the new space race. They're, yeah. they're, 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 they're duking it out. What do I think about it? I don't know. I'm kind of, I like sci-fi and stuff yeah, like that. Me too. It's pretty cool. I think Trump kind of stumbled onto a good idea here. I don't think he really <laughs> thought it was going to be a good idea. I, I really think it probably started as one of his distractions, you know? <laughs> hey, I'll, probably, just, I'll yeah. talk to people about a space force, and that'll get them to forget about all these kids I'm separating from their parents at the uh, Mexico-U.S. border. But most people have come out and said, well, yeah, of course, this is a good idea. NASA, and it sounds now like he's going to run with it, and I guess we'll see. Well, it's got that name, right? Yeah. Space Force. Yeah. It's like a really cheesy B movie, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh like a Starship Troopers sort of thing, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like Space Force. Yeah, Space Force. Yeah. yeah. We're going to uh, talk with uh, Chris Chris Rakowski, actually a local science writer and weirdologist. Actually in the 80s he was actually he had a defense contract, the Canadian defense contract to do just this and so we're going to talk to him about it. I wanted to play a bit of Donald Trump uh, at a, um, this is actually at a rally down in Minnesota where he got the crowd all fired up about his idea of an American space force. Take a listen. Our beautiful ancestors won two world wars, defeated fascism and communism, and put a man on the face of the moon. And I think you saw the other day we're reopening NASA. We're going to be going to space. Space Force. Space Force. Space Force. So we have the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard. But we have the Air Force. Now we're going to have the Space Force because it's a whole... We need it. 
We need it. As long as we are proud of who we are and what we are fighting for, we will never, ever fail. There is no place like our place. There is no place. There you go, Donald Trump. It's you know what? It's it's just like it's this the fantasy, you know what mm, I mean? It's yeah. like we're building the wall. Yeah. We're we're building Space Force. We're taking yeah. Mars. We're right. going to we're going to take we're going to conquer yeah. the universe. It's He's good at that. It's the fantasy. It's you know, put these huge ideas in mm-hmm. people's heads and yep. move forward. Right. He's that's good that's at it. that's Donald Trump, yeah. We'll see what happens. Heading to a break here. Hal Anderson on CJOB Muchos Kilos, me, Shaner and Timmy, my band of big guys. We put together a little something on this for you. We call it Space Force Oddity. I hope you enjoy it. Commander Trump to the Space Force. Commander Trump to the Space Force. Turn your lasers on and set your spaceship's course. Ten. Commander Trump Nine. to the Space Force. Seven. Six. Like Luke Skywalker used the force. Three, two, kick some space butt and keep China off the moon. Lift off. This is the space force to command a Trump. Quick break, traffic and weather on the way. How on CJOB. Paperback writer. The Beatles on CJOB. song right there on this day june 25th 1966 peaked at number one for the beatles paperback writer some other interesting stuff from uh, this day in history 1950 the korean war began 1951 the first commercial color telecast took place on cbs transmitting one hour of color tv a special from new york to four other cities and then like i said paperback writer 66 69 the hollies record he ain't heavy he's my brother with elton john playing the piano 
Uh, what else on this day here that's kind of interesting? Oh, 1984, the soundtrack for Purple Rain is released five weeks ahead of the film. Monday Night Football got a new lineup on this day in 1985. Frank Gifford joined by Joe Namath, and there he is, O.J. Simpson in 85. Wow. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle opened in theaters on this day in 1993. Uh, Clapton, Eric Clapton, 1996. Change the World, that album came out on this day in 1996. Oh, got to mention this for my mom. 1999, the last episode of Another World aired on TV. She was big time into Another World. And Edge of Night was the other one that my mom loved to watch. Uh, A couple more here as we uh, get closer to sports here. Five or six minutes away from sports news at 3.30, of course. It's uh, Hal here on CJOB. Aw, love. In 2004, Britney Spears announced that she was engaged to Kevin Federline. And we all know how that worked out, right? True love. In 2006, Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman got married in Sydney, Australia. Uh, Fair Fawcett passed away on this day in 2009 at the age of 63. And I'll mention that it's Color TV Day. You know why now. Just told you why. Uh, it's the day of the seafarer. It's Global Beatles Day, Leon Day, Log Cabin Day, Catfish Day, and please take my children to work day today. All right? There you go. Um, I want to play some of the highlights for Chris Strevler from that bomber win on Friday night against Montreal. Wow. Listening to that game was just, I don't know, it's been a while since I've been that excited about a performance. Chris Trevler at quarterback, and of course, the best call in football, Mr. Bob Irving. And here's Trevler with a hitch pass to Darvin Adams, who's going to throw, and he's got Andrew Harris all alone in the end zone for a Blue Bomber touchdown. Strebler in the gun. Dembski and Dressler in motion. Strebler back. Montreal comes with a blitz. Here's a throw to Dembski in the end zone. Touchdown. Nick Dembski outmaneuvered the defensive back and caught that ball for a touchdown. Bombers up 17-7, and they are second and 10 at the Montreal 16-yard line. Chris Strebler has the ball. He's got an open man at the 10, down to the 5, and there's an easy touchdown for Drew Walatarski. Let's see what Strebler does here. Does he keep it or does he give it to Andrew Harris? Keeps it himself. Touchdown. Chris Strebler. And the Bombers increase their lead to 30-7 to with a minute 26 left in the first half. Bombers first and goal. Chris Strebler stays in there from left half. And fires down to Walatarski, and he's in for a touchdown. Drew Walatarski has his second touchdown of the night, and Strebler is fired up. No kidding. Yes, he deserved to be fired up. Chris Strebler leading the Bombers to a big win, one and one now on the season. And uh, we talked earlier with Doug Brown about maybe a quarterback controversy. Greg Mackling asked Bob Irving about it this morning on Mackling and McGarry. I'm sure it'll come up tonight on the Coach's Show. Coach Mike O'Shea and Bob Irving here on CJOB tonight between 7 and 8. Bob said to Greg this morning, so I'm not bringing it up, but I imagine a listener will bring it up. And Bob had the right answer to this uh, uh, 
even talk of a quarterback controversy. Bob says, listen, when Matt Nichols is ready, you put him back in, period. That's it. Doesn't matter about this Strebler and how well he plays. You, you, you go match your quarterback. But isn't it nice now to have some options heading forward, right? Like maybe Matt gets in and he struggles in a game. Now you can throw Strebler in, switch it up a little bit, runs a little more. I think this could be great for the Bombers. We just got to get through the next two or three games, and then it's sweet sailing, I think. Ted, I see on the phone wanting to talk about the airlines. Hang on, Ted. I'm going to talk to you here in just a second. Weather, sports, news, all on the way. Hal on CJOB.